today on Ag News Daily. Well, I think it's important to be able to uh, share with uh, the people of Iowa what's being done on these very delicate and important issues. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Madison Honkamp here, and I am joined by Delaney Howell. And Delaney went to uh, Secretary Pompeo's event last night here in Iowa. So, Delaney, how did that go? Yeah, you know, um, I was talking to Iowa Secretary of Agriculture after the event wrapped up last night, and he said, what were your thoughts on that meeting? And I said, unimpressed. I was unimpressed. There really wasn't any news. Uneventful, maybe is a better word for that. I said it was uneventful. There really wasn't. I mean, the media obviously does a lot to hype up these meetings. I think maybe the office, the Secretary of State office, kind of tried to hype it up to get more people involved and present at the events. But personally, I hate it when politicians or government officials do that. We saw that happen with EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt when he came to Iowa saying, oh, there's going to be a big announcement. They kind of did the same thing last night with Secretary Pompeo's event. He talked a lot about agriculture. I mean, basically his entire address was um, around agriculture. And we're going to play some clips from that, not today, but tomorrow. We're going to actually talk with, uh, well, former governor of Iowa and now ambassador to China Terry Branstead was also at the event last night which is a big deal he had, he came back to China or came back from China he's been in the states for a while and came to the event last night so we're going to play his comments from the media gaggle afterwards but i would have to say the thing i was most impressed about last night even though it was pretty uneventful was secretary pompeo opened it up to questions from the audience and usually politicians don't just have a open microphone basically for folks to ask questions so there were some really great questions asked gonna play those probably on tomorrow's podcast episode but madison as i understand it your boyfriend was at one of the other events with secretary pompeo yes he was actually one of the ffa members that got to meet with him and um ambassador brandstad um and he said it went really well it was different just because A lot of the students that were there at the first half of their kind of event that they were at um, were not at all involved in agriculture. So it was interesting Mm. kind of hearing their point of views and their response to a lot of um, questions that he responded to and different things like that. And then he was able to go back with a group, I want to say of like maybe 10 FFA members or so I'm not quite sure um he told me and I can't remember but then he was able to really talk to them and um I think it opened his eyes to the world of politics because I'm the I'm the politician our relationship there you go that's right (laughs) did he uh did he say anything insightful or did Pompeo have anything interesting to share with them he didn't say um because he said it was mostly just a v- his view on agriculture, I guess, and them kind of sharing their views on agriculture. So it was very agriculture-based, but they didn't really get any new things from him. Okay, yeah, that was kind of the consensus that I had. Um, I think a lot of folks reacted positively to it, though. I talked to quite a few producers, basically – all commodity groups were represented except for 
I don't think Cattlemen's Association had anybody there, but corn, soybeans, pork, they were all there, and they had some comments, so I talked to some producers afterwards. They were all pretty impressed that um, he came to Iowa. He's actually a former farm kid-ish. He was an FFA, and I think his grandparents or parents farmed. Uh, he didn't really ever directly farm, but I think he earned the respect of a lot of folks in the audience, so it was more of like a meet-and-greet, get-to-know-your-secretary-of-state mm-hmm. than anything, but... From a media perspective, I, of course, wanted a good story. Yeah, of course. You know? But it but, is still nice that he came to Iowa yeah. just because we don't get a whole big – we don't have a lot of traffic through right. Iowa. Right, except seems. for during political season, which is exactly. right around the corner, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, another thing that could be right around the corner to transition into some news here is E15 year-round. We, of course, know – Last week, um, both Secretary Purdue and EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler commented on it during their Senate hearings, but we saw just earlier this week the EPA said on Monday they sent a draft of their proposed rule to allow year-round sales of E15 to the White House Office of Budget for review. So I think that's one of the steps there. I'm not really sure... I assume the White House has to approve the budget, send it back to the EPA. They probably have to send it to the president and Congress and whatnot. So looks like we're maybe taking steps to get a little closer in that timeline. But June 1st is, again, what they still say that they're pushing for. And Andrew Wheeler said in an interview with AgriPulse, still trying to hit that June 1st deadline. And he's confident that I guess they can. Yeah, I did see that. And then also um, a lot of... Uh, things have been brought up that ethanol E15 has been in the news so much, especially in Iowa because of uh, the, since Iowa holds the caucus. Um, so a lot of presidential um, candidates mm-hmm. want to kind of, t- they really want to focus on that, especially since Iowa has 44 ethanol plants and that takes up almost 40,000 jobs. Um, so that's a huge thing for E15. Um, that's an interesting point and, I hadn't really yeah. thought of. So that's kind of a huge, like why it's kind of a huge topic, right. I think. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we're already seeing candidates announce their nomination for president. So it's uh, going to be something we continue to hear in the news. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. And I don't think it's going to go away. <laughs> no, I would say probably not. Another thing that we've seen that really hasn't gone away is... The discussion of dicamba and dicamba-related issues is going to have an interview later this week, actually, with the University of Iowa, who's releasing new tools and resources for producers to utilize dicamba to the best of their abilities. But that might not matter if we hear the EPA rule against using dicamba in future growing seasons. State pesticide officials will hear updates on dicamba certification and training requirements, as well as advancements in labeling in a meeting at the EPA today. Um, And this comes kind of on the heels of an uh, Illinois announcement on this past Friday that applicators won't be able to use dicamba after June 30th and that they'll be prohibited if the wind is blowing toward residential areas, which I thought was interesting. I didn't realize that that had been an issue in the past, but... We're going to continue to see what the EPA releases as far as regulations go and if we will be able to continue using this as a tool in our tool belt. Yeah, that will definitely be, it'll be interesting on how that all plays out, especially. Yes. Um, 
yeah, just because it's so nobody knows what's going on, I guess. Nobody. Mm-mm. And Madison, actually, while we're on the topic of tools, kind of see using the tool belt here. Interestingly enough, China is set to introduce the maximum residue limits or MRLs here before the end of 2019. Those will be set to people are speculating 200 parts per billion or lower for glyphosate and all imported final food products as well as raw materials, including grains, soybeans, and other legumes. And so what that means for producers is if anything has glyphosate or has, if they've used glyphosate, which is of course in one of the most popular products, Roundup Ready, and uh, likewise products or generic versions of that product, Chinese consumers and Chinese government aren't going to allow those products into their market. I thought this was interesting that this has come out, though, you know, in the middle of all this trade negotiation. It'll be interesting to see if this is a piece of the puzzle that gets included in some sort of final trade negotiation or trade agreement. Yeah, that will definitely be interesting to see, especially as we kind of watch to see this deal kind of follow through and how these tariffs play out, um, especially if we aren't able to then use those products that do have the Roundup on it. Yes. But um, yeah, it'll just, we just got to have to wait and see, I guess, and see if we can kind of come to an, a compromise almost for that. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people were hoping that Secretary Pompeo was going to have something exciting to announce in regards to the U.S.-Chinese relationship yesterday, but we didn't see such announcement. And we haven't seen follow-throughs on the recent pledge to buy 10 million tons of soybeans, but that's another thing that the markets are definitely watching as well. Yes, definitely. And uh, I think I am all out of news. Delaney, do you have anything else? I do have one other quick piece of news I wanted to share. This came out just moments before we started recording today's podcast. And that is another change in leadership when you look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb announced his resignation today that he will be stepping down in one month and leaving the agency. He's been in that role for about 23 months, so just shy of two years here. He uh, His resignation letter is is public information. So I read through it and it really doesn't say anything about why he's resigning. Um, it talks about his list of accomplishments during his time in office from any, everything from, you know, the use of e-cigarettes and teens to the opioid crisis to regulations. I mean, he was pretty essential in helping with cell cultured meat. So he just said, thanks for the time, but it doesn't. It really doesn't say why he is leaving office or moving on to a different position, but I guess that is the end of Scott Gottlieb's role at FDA. Hmm. That's interesting that he doesn't have why. But. Yeah, I know. I always, I always like to know the why, especially because, exactly. <laughs> you know, as you look at across the Trump administration, there have been quite a few people who have resigned or been fired. I mean, Scott Pruitt, I'm not even going to get into that one, but, you know, there's just been some... some uh, some leadership roles that have been filled by people who maybe have done some sketchy things on the side or have had their name drugged through the mud, maybe incorrectly. Um, but really, we haven't heard anything about Scott Gottlieb, so I don't know what the what the thought process is there. I guess maybe just tired of it or ready to get yeah. back out of Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah, or just 
personal reasons maybe yeah. that he didn't want the media to yeah. know. But. Yep, absolutely. But that is the end of the news I had for today. Madison, let's take a look at where the commodity markets left us today on the end of the day here. Our markets are sponsored by our partners over at the Zayner Group there in Chicago. Give them a call today at 312-277-0050 and find out how their marketing strategies can help protect you during these volatile times. In the corn markets, the March corn contract up a penny on the day at 366. Even the May up a penny as well to close at 375 and three quarters. Looking to the soybean pits, a little bit of weakness on the day. The March contract losing two cents to close at 901 and a quarter, while the May cutting two and two quarters cent to close at 913 and three quarters. Wheat finally had some positive news today or something that sparked some green on the screen for the first time in quite a little while. The March contract up seven and a half cents to close at 454 and a quarter. The May up seven and a quarter to close at 462 and three quarters. In the livestock pits, we have the April live cattle contract up 47 and a half cents to close at 128.82 and a half. The June up five cents to close at 119.85. Feeder cattle pits could not keep the green on the screen today with the March contract down 32.5 cents to close at 140.87.5. The April down 62.5 cents to close at 144.40. And in the lean hog pits, continuing to see some strength again today. The April lean hog contract up 57.5 cents to close at 57.90. The May up 40 cents to close at 66.40. And the June, there the deferred contract looking pretty positive today with a $1.12 gain. To close at 76.30. Rounding out our markets with the dairy class 3 milk futures March contract lost a penny on the day to close at 15.12. The April up two cents to close at 15.02. And with that, I'm going to turn it over here. A media gaggle. Let me just fill everybody in on this. You essentially swarm whoever you're talking to, usually a politician or somebody more famous. You, It's a free-for-all. Hands are flying, elbows are flying, but... This media gaggle was after Secretary Pompeo spoke yesterday. Ambassador and former governor of Iowa, Terry Branstad, volunteered his time to reporters. And so we just got to go right at it here and ask him questions that were on the minds of folks in rural America. Well, it's great to be back in Iowa. I'm certainly honored to be here with Mike Pompeo. And uh, he's really done a great job of working with the embassies. Uh, he did a one-hour question and answer when we had the Chief of Mission Conference in D.C., and you heard the way he handled the questions here today. So, anyway. Well, I think it's important to be able to uh, share with uh, the people of Iowa what's being done on these very delicate, important issues, uh, and certainly you know, I'm on the front line there in China. We have three big issues that we're dealing with. One is the North Korean threat, and we made progress in that. At least they're not uh, testing more uh, atomic bombs. And, and I was there three days after they did the last test, and I was in Tumen, which is uh, just 50 miles from where the test occurred in North Korea. Uh, and, of course, the trade issue, which I think we made significant progress here on the just recently, and uh, we're hopeful that can get resolved in the not-too-distant future. And then, uh, of course, the fentanyl issue, which uh, uh, President Trump got a commitment from Xi Jinping 
for them to make all of these precursors a controlled substance. And uh, we're uh, really working hard to try to see that the Chinese follow through and indeed do that. Because if they do that, we think it'll dramatically reduce the amount of fentanyl that's coming to the United States that's caused a lot of deaths. So those are the big three we're working on. And obviously trade is a huge issue that Iowans are very concerned about. And, And yet, frankly, it's an issue that should have been addressed a long time ago especially these structural issues. It should have been addressed, uh, uh, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago. But uh, we can't let this continue. We've got to, uh, we've got to address it. And, and, and they are difficult and challenging to find a way to be able to enforce the, uh, uh, if we get an agreement, to be able to have it to be enforceable. So just in terms of, uh, it seems like there's a lot of positivity around that particular trade talk at the moment. Uh, potential reports suggesting there might be a meeting, a signing agreement, perhaps as early as the end of this month. Just in terms of that, what is your summing up? Is that a correct assessment, that positivity? Well, I can't speculate on that. I've been on many of the meetings in Beijing. I came back to the one that was in Washington, D.C., and, and you know, they agreed to, uh, Leo Hao agreed to be there for two days. They extended for four they made significant progress, so the president agreed not to increase the tariffs from 10 to 25 uh, percent, but they're continuing to have additional discussions to try to resolve these difficult structural issues. So I'm hopeful, but, uh, you know, it's very difficult. And, you know, even in, from my experience in dealing with the Iowa legislature, the tough decisions always get left to the last, and obviously... These are very critically important issues, and uh, uh, I, I will say that I feel that uh, Ambassador Lighthizer, Secretary Mnuchin, and our team, and they have a lot of, we had 70 of them that were in Beijing that were involved in the negotiations, and the Chinese had a big delegation that was in Washington, D.C., so both sides are taking this very seriously. If you were an Iowa farmer, would you be out of patience by now? Well... Iowa farmers take the long view of things. And, you know, I was governor during the farm crisis, so I know farmers have been through a lot of difficulty and challenges. But I think Iowa farmers are also uh, wanting to see something that's going to be long-lasting and permanent and not just uh, something that's going to be short-term that doesn't really solve the problem for the long term. If there is no deal that is made within even the next couple of months, is there a commitment that the tariffs from this administration would be pulled back? Well, you know, I want—I don't want to really get into the strategy of it, and I'm not the decision maker on these on these matters. But I, I will just say that uh, I think uh, uh, that the, the tariffs are part of the leverage of trying to really get. Uh, the Chinese attention, and I think we've gotten their attention, and now we tr- need to try to get this resolved. Ambassador, do you think that the Chinese government will take up the president's suggestion of lifting the tariffs on agricultural products? Well, I'm not sure, but I, I do say that the the uh, chemistry between the two leaders is good, uh, and they've had several personal meetings, and uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that you know, we're going to see eventually the two leaders get together and finalize this. Uh, I do know they've had several telephone conversations. 
My staff at the embassy has helped uh, facilitate those uh, conversations. Plus, they had the first meeting in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, the, the Chinese uh, did a, um, a state, uh, the president did a state visit in November of 2017 to China, was treated very well. Uh, and they just had the most recent meeting in Argentina. And uh, uh, like I said, several telephone conversations in between. Many of them have involved the North Korean threat. And China has been, we wouldn't be where we are in dealing with the North Korea. We wouldn't have them at the bargaining table if China and the rest of the world hadn't supported the UN Security Council resolutions. So that's been constructive, but obviously uh, we've still not gotten the denuclearization which they have promised. In fact, uh, Kim Jong-un in his uh, January 1st message even mentioned denuclearization. But uh, getting the details of that worked out is a very big challenge and obviously uh, it's a big change uh, from what their policy has been for Mr. the last Vass 70 years. Mr. Vassar, do you get a sense for some of the domestic issues the President's dealing with <coughs> as far as the investigations in the House have any impact on his ability to negotiate in, in a global sense? Is there any impact or over overshadowing effect of that? I can't really speak about that. I can just say the President is very focused on trying to resolve these critical issues. Uh, and, and the ones that we're dealing with, the big three, are the threat from North Korea and the need to see denuclearization there, uh, getting a fair uh, reciprocal trade with China, and also uh, dealing with the fentanyl issue and, and getting uh, uh, China to make uh, all of these precursors of fentanyl controlled substances. The, those are the issues that we're focused on, and, and, and that's my mission. And, and I'm proud to say that we're making progress on all of them. We haven't solved any one of the three yet, but I, I have seen progress on all of them, and I'm hopeful we'll see much more progress. Mr. Ambassador, has China acknowledged forced technology transfer and IPF problem? Well, um, there's been a lot of denial on their part uh, about forced technology transfer, but it's absolute real, it's factual, and uh, I don't know there's been a direct acknowledgement, but it's been honestly and frankly discussed in the negotiations, and uh, that's critically important. So it's my understanding there's been progress made on that, so uh, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see it. And the other thing is that whatever we do needs to be something that's going to be enforceable and not, they have so often promised to do these things and then failed to follow through. We need to make sure we have something that will um, be followed through and, and that will indeed happen. You, you've known, you, you, your relationship goes back far. Yeah. How has your trust changed? Well, I have a wonderful personal relationship with President Xi Jinping. Uh, when I presented my credentials as ambassador, uh, he had seen the, the video from when I had my first press conference with my whole family, with my wife and daughter and son-in-law and two grandchildren. And he said, I would, my wife and I would like to invite you and your family over to have dinner with us. 
and he did that. He followed through, and he was very gracious, even included the grandchildren and asked them how things are going in school. My granddaughter actually sang a little poem in Mandarin to him. Uh, so the personal relationship is there, but obviously um, we have some huge differences. And, you know, it's a one-party uh, state, and he is a very strong leader. Uh, have you talked to him about the Uyghur Muslims? I haven't had the opportunity to talk directly to him about that, but uh, I have talked to many other key officials within uh, the Chinese government about that in their Ministry of Foreign Affairs and some of the other officials, and uh, that is an issue that we constantly bring up. We have time for one more question. Governor, we go the best What's that? Well, uh, I, I, you know, I really can't comment on politics. I'm representing the United States of America and China, and that's really what my, my focus is. So, um, you know, as much as I've had experience in Iowa caucuses and Iowa politics, that is not my responsibility today. So I, I honestly uh, I feel it would be inappropriate for me to comment on that. That's all we have time for much. today. Thank Sir, you. Well, again, that was Ambassador Branstad there. I tell you what, Madison, media gaggles, um, especially yesterday's, it was hard. I I usually am am good about jumping in and getting a question in, but yesterday's media gaggle, there were a lot of tough reporters there asking him some tough questions, as you could hear there from some of his answers. Yeah, (laughs) I can't imagine how that would be. I... I'm not at all like that, so I don't even know how I'd be in that situation. Yeah, I think it's an experience that anybody working or wanting to work in the broadcasting or reporter or journalism field like needs to have experience. Mm-hmm. Needs to have that experience just once in your life, like either shoving a microphone in somebody's face or being part of a media gaggle. I mean, they're intense. Let me tell you what. <laughs> just getting people out of the way to yeah. get your mic up there yeah. or your camera or your, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's always a good time, that's for sure. But if, folks, you have suggestions for the Ag News Daily podcast, feel free to shoot us a message on Facebook or on Twitter. We've been getting some great posts and great messages there of of companies to interview for Tech Tuesday, of, you know, people that might have a good opinion to share on the podcast. But feel free to shoot us a message if you have something that you'd like us to follow up on, report on, or Bring you more coverage on. You can find us at Ag News Daily. You can also head to globalagnetwork.com and shoot us a message through that platform as well. Madison, with that, shall we let the folks go? Let's let them go.